Well, hello, hello, everybody. It's been a long week, actually about probably cl close to two weeks here. I'm having some just life transformations going on here that are so big that I can't even get into all of it, but some personal stuff going on that's pretty drastic. Um, found out just actually yesterday, I verified that I have now have landed myself a pretty good cardboard allergy, which is really great because um, I deal with cardboard all the time and I thought I was nuts. I kept having breaking out of my arms and didn't, you know, it's like I was handling plastic or cardboard. I couldn't figure out what it was. It started out just like small little lines that would itch little, you know, things. And then it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And now like my whole neck is tight and it, it just stays for hours. And I, I, yesterday I finally nailed it down that I didn't know if it was the plastic, the cold or the cardboard. And I finally figured out it is the cardboard indeed. And I thought I was crazy. Went online and there's these, there are a lot of people in there that have cardboard allergies. And apparently the more you're exposed to them, the more um, prevalent they are. I guess they, they pop up a lot in people that work with cardboard. So I'm just like, now what am I going to do? I already have uh, dog and cat allergies that affect things really bad, especially the dog allergies because they're everywhere. And now I have cardboard allergy, and I'm not sure how you get through life without cardboard. Because, like, your pizza comes in cardboard. I mean, everything is packaged in either plastic or cardboard. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do here. So I contacted my allergist, and I am going to have to get back in there and figure something out because this has gone way too far with the, the, the stuff that's going on with me. Really nuts. Um, so it's been... That and just the other stuff that's going on, it's been really crazy. I have not been able to get on. I was planning on getting on a bunch, and it just isn't working out. Um, spring and summer and fall are usually really busy times for me anyway. So uh, just, you know, hang tight. Uh, I'll I'll get to this when I can. I would love to do this every day, but I just don't have the time to do it yet. So hang in there, and I will, you know, see what I can do. Um, wanted to talk a little bit today about um, premonitions and psychic abilities. I, I had some thoughts this week about it. I had, um, I'm a really big one for stuff like that. Like I'll think of, uh, you know, I, I haven't heard from something like a, say a company or a bill in like months and months and I'll think of it and then it comes in the mail that day or the next day. Um, I've had, you know, visions of people dying and stuff like that. Um, I had one incident where my daughter had, had a piece of clothing on that she never wore. And I was in the bathroom, I was in the bathtub thinking about this piece of clothing. I was going to give their clothes away. And she literally walked downstairs with this, this, uh, this vest on. So there's, there's just something about this. I mean, the more I think about it and the more I've thought about it, I just, I, I, you have to wonder the thoughts I had on it this week were, you know, is it an ability is, is like the psychic phenomenon, is it an actual ability or is it a, a, like a direct link to God? Is it something that where you're getting messages from God, getting messages from, you know, possibly the angel that walks with you, you know, the Lord, I mean, what is this ability and where does it come from? And, there's a lot of people out there that claim to be psychics and they're not. 
And then there's a lot of people that, you know, claim to be psychics and they are that, that the stuff that they tell you really does come true. Um, I just, I don't know. I've had so many different, different, you know, encounters with this experiences with it myself. My son actually had something last week. He had been thinking about this character that he wanted to invent and we were out running around together and we, we, he was working with me that day and this character, like, like all the colors and the way the character was, you know, he just, he, he, I don't know what happened, but some, a little boy walked up to the truck and he literally was wearing this shirt with all like, like a, a face, like a, a makeshift face on the shirt with all the colors in it of the character. And it was, uh, it was, it just kind of blew his mind. It was pretty interesting. Um, so there's just a lot of stuff that happens to people with this and, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, where it comes from. And I, the, you know, the more I go with this, the more I believe that it actually, you know, comes from the Lord, that we're we're linked to him and we're linked to the heavenly realm. And it could even be demonic, too. I mean, there might be people that are on the dark side that, you know, get uh, feelings or, you know, they hear voices from the dark side as well. So it, it may be, you know, different things with that. But it just it was just some thoughts on it. Um, I had a couple stories about, I talked to you about doing some, you know, podcasts on hellhounds here. And I had some stories this week. Um, they weren't very long ones, but there were some people that wrote in about some experiences they've had with what they believed were hellhounds. And it's hard to know whether they're hellhounds or they are actually dogmen, but there seems to be a pretty distinct difference with it um, by the way people react to them and what they look like. Like It's almost like when they run into a hellhound, they they know it's a hellhound by the way it looks. And it, it, it's, it's a different phenomena than the dogman. So they have, I know that the hellhound is known to be very ghostly in appearance and it has blood red eyes. Now there have been some people that have said, have claimed that dogmen have red eyes as well, but a lot of them also have like blue, um, fluorescent blue. They've got, um, the white or the yellow, you know, like the burning, like it looks like fire coming from an internal glow, but the hellhound almost always has a, um, really bright, deep red eye color. And they are associated with an omen of death. In a lot of cases, they have, um, there was a woman that wrote in that she had a sister of hers that had had an encounter with a hellhound, what she believed was a hellhound, and she said her sister passed away shortly afterwards. So they're very prominent with people that, you know, die after the encounter. Um, there was also a ghost, ghostly black dog seen in a graveyard by a man his father and his grandfather. It was a red-eyed dog that haunted the cemetery and they believed it was a hellhound and they saw it for years. Now nobody died, but they, you know, they had this um, encounter with this dog often whenever they, you know, would be in the cemetery or pass by it, they would see it and it was ghostly. They didn't feel that it was um, anything in the flesh and blood. Um, people are encountering black dogs 
and some have deaths in the family right after they encounter these what they consider just black dogs so that's you know i'm not sure that's almost like a black cat phenomenon where people believe that black cats are you know unlucky um there was a woman that saw two black dogs on her doorstep she said she was in her house and she looked on i guess it was like a um security system on the camera and there were two black dogs that just showed up on her doorstep out of nowhere and they were massive and she said that they just literally vanished one moment they were there the next moment they weren't and she went out the door immediately when she saw them vanish and looked around and there they were just completely gone and she couldn't find them anywhere and there was nowhere they could have gone that quickly and she turned around and her dog and her cat were both actually whimpering so that you know <laughs> some of this stuff i'm telling you a huge black dog chased a man's car um he just he was driving along and wasn't thinking anything of it and all of a sudden he looked over and there's this dog with red bright red eyes that started to chase his car and it was literally the size of a car of the car it was huge i don't know why but he stops the car or you know possibly the car stopped on its own but it sounds to me from what he wrote that he stopped the car the dog jumped up onto the car on the roof dented in the roof and he could see drool coming down his windshield the, the, the dog jumps down and it goes into a gated cemetery and then it just disappears right in front of his eyes this is just, I don't know, some of this stuff is, is crazy. But he really went on and on about the size of the dog, how it was literally the size of the car. So um, I find I, I was reading something on the dog, the, the um, Hellhounds this week, and it was talking about, in one of the articles I read, how the dog man, or I'm sorry, the, the um, hellhound looks like a jackal. And Anubis was supposedly people, a lot of people don't know this, but Anubis, who was the god of the underworld and, and the overseer of death, has the head of a jackal as well. So I don't know if it's like some kind of predictive programming you know, you get into some of this stuff, like if you read or you watch the movie The Omen. In The Omen, now I don't know if this is actually true to life, if this there's any truth to this. But in the the movie The Omen, the, the, the Omen movies, they had, um, there's a section in there where they talked about how the Antichrist is born. He's the son of a jackal. And they dug up the grave of his supposed mother in the movie and they found the bones of an actual jackal now i've never found anything in real life that says the antichrist is going to be born of a jackal that i can find so i wondered where this came from you know where did they start this and then i got into finding out that anubis his you know he's the god of death and he has the head of a jackal and a lot of these dog um these uh i keep calling it dog men these um 
hellhounds are people identify them with the head of a jackal. So I just, I find it fascinating sometimes. It seems like when we come out with something, it seems like it comes true, like a predictive programming type thing. You know, like when we talk about something, it almost puts it into life. Like it, it creates it. So, and I've often thought about that with the vampires. There have been people that have seen vampires and they just, you know, they're just there and they don't know where they come from. There was a man that was driving along and he, just right in front of him, there was a dead cow Mm -hmm. and he saw this creature that was standing over this cow looking like it was feeding off of it. And this is in the middle of the night on a backcountry road. And this creature looked up and he had fangs and blood dripping down his fangs. And he literally just like flew away. And the, and I think he had red eyes as well. So sometimes you have to wonder if things are created because of thought. Like, is there power in our thought? Is there power in the things that we write about or the movies that we produce? I mean, can things be created because of us thinking them into existence. And I've often wondered that even with, like I said, vampires might be real. Um, There's been sightings of these things since for thousands of years now. And that's, you know, a lot of the, the movies and stuff that we watch are based on fact. It's based on stories from people that have actually, you know, eyewitness accounts that have seen this stuff. So you, you can't discount this stuff. It's really, you know, it's, it's really dangerous of us to not be aware of what's going on. It's really dangerous of us not to know what's really going on. You know, it's, it's just not, it's not cool that, you know, we run around here and we think that we're safe and we're not, you know, the government covers things up and we all think we're safe and we're just not safe. So just be aware, you know, be aware of, of what's going on. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm zoning a little bit here today because I, I had to take some allergy medication. So if I'm talking a little slower, I apologize. I'm just, you know, really, um, I feel really loopy from this medication I took. So, um, you know, just <laughs> bear with me here because it's, it's, you know, this allergy medication always kicks my butt. I didn't take Benadryl. I just, I took some other stuff, but it, it just seems like it's making me, you know, operate in slow motion here. Um, my son had an interesting story this week too, but before I get into all that, there are a couple of things I wanted to read you guys that were, I thought were really fascinating stories. Now this one, I do not know if this is truth or not. Sometimes when people write to you, you don't know if it's a true story. So I cannot validate if this is a true story. Some of the stuff sounds far-fetched. But we're, I mean, look at the realm we're dealing with here. We're talking Bigfoot, dogmen, aliens, demons, you know, the rake, wendigos, uh, reptile, reptilians, you know, vampires. Oh my gosh. I mean, this, this list goes on and on and on. So as I'm reading this story, you know, just keep an open mind. It's supposed to be a true story. So we'll see. I mean, maybe we won't see, but it's a good story. Uh, the lady writes, I may or may not have adopted a hellhound. I'm a foster failure, she writes. 
That's what they call it when you agree to foster a dog, but end up keeping it instead of sending it to a new home. I signed up as a foster home for dogs for the same reason anybody else would. I love dogs. I spent some years being lonely, alone in a tiny town with basically no friends. I ended up wandering the local, wandering the local shelter in search of a friend. The shelter was having a push for people to sign up to foster, and I took the bait. People loved to dump dogs they no longer wanted in our town, and the shelter was always at or near capacity. The day I signed up, I thought the tiny blonde woman running the shelter was going to collapse with excitement. She told me not many people signed up to foster in our town, and she was sure they'd have a placement for me within the week. Once all the paperwork was processed, I waited patiently. Within three days, I got the call that there was a dog waiting for me. I could give this sweet dog a home until someone could come, someone could come and adopt it. I stood outside the shelter looking at the photo that, would, that had been sent to me of my new temporary companion. My phone screen was filled with the image of a large black dog that I was told had to be mixed with Great Dane due to his size. The rest of his lineage was as clear as mud, like most dogs in the shelter. His fur was scruffy looking and his ears were floppy. He had amber eyes that had the same wounded look as many other shelter dogs I'd seen. I walked into the shelter to see the blonde lady attaching a leash to the collar of this big black dog I was to take home. She handed me the leash and told me his name, which was Shadow. Shadow stood and I realized I was wholly unprepared for his size. His back reached my hip height easily. If he would have placed his paws on my shoulder, we would have been eye to eye. His amber eyes almost seemed to glow. He didn't seem scared at all. Give me a second here. I'm going to take a drink. Shadow walked up to me and sat down politely at my feet. His tail wagged furiously, and he raised a paw to tap my knee. I scratched his head, and he melted beneath me. It was love at first sight. I knew somewhere inside of me that he'd be my dog in the end. Before I loaded, up in my car, loaded him up in my car, I was told he'd been bathed, but he had a nice stray stink that seemed to be lingering despite the two baths he'd been given. As soon as we were in the enclosed space together, I couldn't deny it. Shadow was, met, was a smelly dude. I made a mental note to speak to a groomer or a vet. There had to be a reason for the persistent stink. As the weeks passed, I grew to love Shadow more and more. I started to believe I'd be a foster failure. He was a dog suited for me. I'd even set up a little dog camera so I could keep an eye on him while I was at work and dispense some treats from the way-too-expensive device attached to the wall. Eventually, some things started to strike me as odd, even scary. Shadow was wildly protective of me in a way I'd never seen from a dog. The slightest unexpected noise would cause him to jump in front of me, hackles raised and teeth exposed, ready to attack anything that may dare to cross my path. The growl he'd emit, emit was otherworldly, so deep I almost felt it in my soul. 
When no threat was found, Shadow would return to my side, happily wagging his tail and panting, ready to play tug-of-war. One night, about a month after I agreed to foster Shadow, I laid in my bed, nearly asleep. Shadow occupied the spot next to me. I could nearly see those amber eyes sparkling in the dark. Just as I began to fall asleep, I was jolted awake by the sound of my front door rattling. Shadow was immediately up, fur raised, and teeth bared. He bolted to the living room. I grabbed a baseball bat stashed beside my bed and began creeping to the living room as I heard the door open. Someone had broken in. I heard Shadow's growl and began to round the corner. I was completely floored by what I saw. Shadow moved like a superhero so fast I could barely see him. Before I could even say his name, his teeth were wrapped around the burglar's neck. I swore I saw his claws grow. His teeth transformed into rows of points like a shark. Blood spattered across the room as Shadow slashed deep claw marks across the man's mm -hmm. torso. There was no hope for the man. In what felt like a blink of an eye, he dropped to the ground. Once I got close, I could see that the robber was dead. Shadow had blood dripping from his lips. He turned to me, his eyes searching mine as he panted. He was searching for approval. He'd done a good thing. My stomach dropped. Shadow had no fear. He attacked the man like he'd done it a thousand times before. He killed him swiftly and easily. How could a thing I love so much do something so horrific? To add to my horror, there was a dead man on the floor. The mangled mess in my living room couldn't feasibly have been caused by a dog attack. I felt bile rise in my throat. It was an awful situation. I couldn't even identify all my emotions. I was somewhere between terror, misery, and even a little love mixed in there. Something in me knew for certain that Shadow wouldn't hurt me. He was protecting me, protecting our home. Maybe it was some sort of a dog of a dog Stockholm syndrome. Is that a thing? I was equal parts terrified and adoring of Shadow. As I tried desperately to, search, to sort my brain out, I saw Shadow was pulling the body of the robber across our living room floor. He drug it all the way to our backyard. I knew what to do. I hate to say it, but I buried the man in our yard. What else was I going to do? I lived near the woods, and it was an easy bury. No cop would believe Shadow did that. I would be to blame. Besides, even if they did believe it was Shadow, they, they'd take him from me. It felt like our souls had bonded. I couldn't let him go. So off to the woods we went to bury the man. I called the shelter the next day to tell them I was officially a foster failure. I wouldn't be returning Shadow. The shelter owner forwarded me the adoption paperwork, more than happy that Shadow had a new home. Shadow spent every moment by my side. A few months after the robber incident, my doorbell rang. Fear struck me immediately. What if it was someone else that Shadow felt the need to demolish? To my shock, Shadow didn't react in his normal protective way. He looked at me, then the door, and let out an approving howl. I opened the door to find a man dressed in a business suit with slicked back hair. He had a briefcase and a file folder. I assumed he was some sort of missionary. Hey, buddy, I don't need Jesus, but thanks anyway, I said through the glass door. Oh, I know you don't, the man chuckled. 
He pointed behind me to Shadow, who was glued to my side. I'd like to talk to you about that dog. My heart sank. Was this his original owner? I've adopted him already. I've got the paperwork, I said, my stomach churning at the thought of Shadow being taken from me. Oh, he's not mine. Well, I guess he is, kind of, but I don't want him. I just want to tell you some things. May I come in? I hesitated, but Shadow's lack of reaction made me feel safe. I opened the door, and the man came inside. He gave Shadow a pat on the head. As he sat on my couch, he muttered, Wow, that smell really doesn't get better up here. <laughs> that smell doesn't get better up here, he says. He passed the file folder to me. The front read, So you've adopted your hellhound. I opened it to find several pamphlets. Squashing the sulfur, making your hellhound smell fresh, training your hellhound, and which entity are you? Flowchart inside, among many others. I'm sorry, what? Hellhound? I laughed. I couldn't help it. Oh, look. I am on a limited time frame here. I don't have time to let you process your shock or whatever. Somewhere in you, you know your dog isn't a normal dog. And somewhere in you, you know you aren't normal, don't you? He leaned forward, hands clasped. It was like his words sank into me. Puzzle pieces falling into place. My lack of friends. My need for no one. Oh, shadow being the first emotional attachment I'd really ever had. The ease with which I'd accepted Shadow murdering someone. A thousand other tiny occurrences in my life that added up to this reality. I wasn't normal. <laughs> He's a hellhound. You're a... Well, we don't really love the word demon but if the shoe fits he trailed off he tapped the pamphlet that mentioned entities i included that one so you can be sure there's a slight chance you're something else but demon is what my money is on your little friend here is your protector he pointed towards shadow shadow laid peacefully at my feet i stroked my hand down his scruffy black fur my contact information is in the folder too. Ring me if you have any questions. There's lots of info in there about training, grooming, and general care. If you want to keep him, I'd study up. Wouldn't want any more casualties, he said, pointing his eyes in the direction of my back door. He stood, bid me farewell, and was gone as quickly as he'd arrived. My world was flipped upside down in a matter of, mom of moments. I laid on the floor next to Shadow and buried my face in the fur of the only friend I had. I gazed up at the ceiling, trying to process the fear I felt. The fear wasn't of Shadow. No, that wasn't it. It wasn't even of the strange man who just shattered my reality. No, it was fear of myself, of what I was, of what I could become, of what I knew deep down. I am meant for destruction with my companion by my side. So that is that story. I absolutely love that story. That's pretty awesome. No idea if it's a true story or not. People write in. You really can't verify if things, you know, they write to you are true. They claim they're true, but you just never know. A hellhound is a supernatural dog in folklore. A wide variety of ominous 
or hellish supernatural dogs occur in mythologies around the world. Features that have been attributed to hellhounds include mangled black fur, glowing red eyes, super strength, and speed, ghostly or phantom characteristics, and a foul odor, much like the dogmen, and Bigfoot, which is surprising how they're all, they all have this sulfuric smell, and a lot of times they smell like death. Certain European legends state that if someone stares into a hellhound's eyes three times or more, that person will surely die. In cultures that associate the afterlife with fire, hellhounds may have fire-based abilities and appearance. They are often assigned to guard the entrances to the world of the dead, such as graveyards and burial grounds, or undertake other duties related to the afterlife or the supernatural, such as hunting lost souls or guarding a supernatural treasure. In European legends, seeing a hellhound or hearing it howl may be an omen or even a cause of death. They are said to be protectors of the supernatural, guarding the secrecy of supernatural creatures or beings from the world. Some supernatural dogs, such as the Welsh Onwin, were regarded as benign, but encountering such hell, hell beast was still considered a sign of imminent death. I've never, ever encountered one myself, but you never know. Life's not over yet. Um, it goes on to talk about um, some Greek mythology, hellhounds, a lot of the Viking world, just a lot of different, different ones. Uh, the Greek mythology, the hellhounds, Cerberus belonged to Hades, the Greek god of the underworld. Cerberus was said to be a massive three-headed black dog that guarded the entrance to the end, the underworld. I don't remember his name being pronounced like that. I don't know if that's, if I'm pronouncing that right. The Appalachian hellhound described as a very large black dog, like the creature, a dog like creature that in some regions has only three toes. It is said to hunt the back mountain roads of Kentucky and West Virginia. It is likely this legend stems from earlier Scots, Irish and Welsh folklore, though some claim to see it still today. Lots of regions have it. Lots of them. The bearer of death is a term used in describing the hellhound. Hellhounds have been said to be as black as coal and smell of burning brimstone. They tend to leave behind a burned area wherever they go. Their eyes are a deep, bright, and almost glowing red. They have razor-sharp teeth, super strength, and speed, and are, are commonly associated with, again, graveyards in the underworld. Hellhounds are called the bearers of death because they were supposedly created by de by ancient demons to serve as heralds of death. According to legend, seeing one leads to a person's death. Sometimes it is said to be once, other times it requires three sightings for the curse to take effect and kill the victim. Wow. These factors make the hellhound a feared symbol and worthy of the name bearer of death. So that's, there's so much about it. I mean, it just goes on about different, different cases of the hellhound. And like I said, the thing that I found the most interesting was the um, correlation to the jackal, the movie The Omen, and the jackal head is actually on Anubis, the Greek, or I'm sorry, the um, Egyptian uh, statue. Do you know that they have a statue of Anubis at the Denver airport? I find that really... Uh, interesting. 
that they have the, that black stallion horse and they have a statue of Anubis now at the Denver airport. I don't understand why they would have that. But for some reason, they do. And I think that's pretty weird. I have a story from Donald that wrote in to me. Actually, he wrote a couple. Give me one second here. He's been... He's been uh, messaging me some stories. He, he Donald has an ability to feel things. He's an empath. He gets really, you know, like he's very um, empathic. Um, he's, I've read a couple of his stories already. He says, I've got another story for you. Sorry it took me so long. So it was a dark, stormy night. LOL. Just kidding. <laughs> I went down to the military cemetery because a buddy of mine who was killed in Iraq was given some posthumous honors, and I wanted to see where he was at and what they gave him. This is an old cemetery. There are soldiers buried there from the Indian Wars out here. While we were walking through the cemetery, my girl who grew up here didn't know that these graves didn't date back that far. Or did date back that far, I'm sorry. Well, we started looking around as I was looking for my buddy's grave and came across two graves side by side of unknown soldiers, all of a sudden I started getting flooded with thoughts like I thoughts like I wonder if they know what happened. I wonder if my family knows where I am. So he was feeling these thoughts. It was very powerful enough that I had to leave. I got about three quarters of the way home and broke down in tears and I had to tell my girl what happened. She said she knew something was wrong the minute I walked to these graves. She said, I kind of just got this weird look on my face, then just wanted to leave. It was really freaky to just start having thoughts like that run through your head. But I believe I picked up those boys' last thoughts, and they are a lasting impression where they are laid to rest. These grave markers date back to the 1800s. Pretty crazy stuff. So he sent me that story. There again, there's this, 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 you know, when I was talking about the premonitions, telepathy, you know, what we pick up from whether it's God or it's a demon or it's each other, we are highly telepathic and we just do not know it. We don't realize how many times a day we have a thought that may not even be ours, that we think it's our thought. We think everything we think is our thought and we might be picking up stuff constantly you know, so we have to, there's just some interesting things, you know, that I'm just starting to really, you know, I might get into some more research about it because I, like I said, I have it happen to me constantly. I'm going to end this. I, uh, my son came to me today. He's been trying to find God lately. He's been really searching. He's having some problems with substances, um, addictions, things like that. And I've been talking to him a lot about God, trying to get him to reach out to the Lord and really just, you know, embrace God and stop fighting. People don't want God because they don't want to be accountable. They just want to live their life. They don't want to deal with having to be accountable. They don't want to deal with the whole mess of, of you know, the responsibility or the the mess of, of being accountable. You know, they, they just want to be free. They feel held to something, you know, and, and some people just don't want to, they just don't want to accept it. And 
he's been fighting. My son's been really fighting, you know, trying to, you can feel God pulling on him. You can feel him pulling on him and you can feel the war between the, the devil or the demons and God. You can see it in him. You can watch it, physically see it, see the torment, see the actions. You know, you can just see it. So one night we were talking and he came over and every time we talk, he comes over, I try to talk about the Lord. I try to I just really try to get through to him and say, listen, Code, at some point you're going to have to give up this this fight and you're going to have to accept the fact that, you know, you have a maker, he's there, and he expects something from you. He, he doesn't, he's not going to let you breeze through life doing whatever you want to do. He's your dad, you know, just like your own parent wouldn't let you do whatever you want to do when you were growing up. Your father in heaven isn't going to let that. He's not going to allow it. He's a God of laws. You know, he's a God of order and he wants us to abide by his laws and every single law that God really puts forth is a good thing. It's not something that's bad. Nothing that God talks about or teaches us is going to be something that hinders our, pro our, our progress. It doesn't hurt us in any way and it doesn't hurt each other. And, and that's the bottom line. You know, it's all good stuff. Why not embrace it? You know, and, and, and suit up every day and fight this stuff that's going on. So you can watch this stuff. And he comes over and he, you know, the one night he was here and I was outside talking to him. And I had actually prayed with him. And I went in the house afterwards and you could hear him out there talking to himself. You knew he was talking to God. And the sky is always beautiful outside where we live. It's just open and it's gorgeous. So we've got lots of trees. And you could hear him just talking to the Lord. And he said, finally, he said, you know, okay, God, he's always testing God. And you should, you should, you know, not test God, but test to find out if God is real. Ask him, tell him to show you a sign. You guys would be shocked at what happens within moments, you know, within the day, within the week, he's going to answer you. Ask him. If you don't believe, ask him, just do that. You know, ask him, do it a lot. Ask him for various signs that you're not convinced you need more, you know, so he's outside and, and he says, you know, if you're real, he's like, you know, show me a sign. And within seconds, his car alarm, the, the beeping of his car, the car beeps. And then it does it again. He doesn't have his keys. I don't have his keys. I don't even know where his keys are. His keys were in the house here. And he wasn't anywhere around his keys and his car just mm -hmm. goes off. Not once, but twice. So that was amazing. So then the other... Uh, Today, I, I went over to a birthday party, and he's sitting there with me, and he said, Mom, you're not going to believe this. And he's intoxicated a little bit, like he always is. And he sat down, and he talked to me. He said, something led him to see my dad today. My dad's a devout Christian. And he said he just felt compelled to just drive and go down there and see him. So he stopped and saw him, and my dad was so excited to see him. And they, haven't, they don't see each other much because, you know, my son has, like, he just, He's always doing his own thing, you know, and he's always like affected by substances and addictions. And so he, he just felt really good. And, uh, so he was telling me the story about seeing dad and he said, you're not going to believe what happened to me at work last night. And I said, what? He said he was at work and he just, he was like in his head, he was praying. He doesn't know why, but he's going through a really hard time right now. And he's, he's been, he's been trying to reach for God, even though he's, immersed in sin, you know, which is still a good thing. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're immersed in sin, you want to reach for God, especially then, because that's when you need him the most, you know, to help you fight this stuff and these attacks from the enemy. And he, uh, he was asking God, he said, you know, 
his his to help him and to reveal himself to mm-hmm. him again even though he's a believer he does believe in god he just isn't ready to really you know dedicate his life to being a christian and live the christian lifestyle and he there's these two guys at work and this is kind of funny because i send I, I, I send prayers to my son constantly that God would remove the negative influences of his life, the negative people, and send in Christians. I'm like, send in people that are Christians. Just keep flooding it, flooding all my kids with this. And and he is. My daughter has Christian friends now, and this, this didn't happen before. And um, so uh, he said that there's these two guys at work that started there that are devout Christians. And he said, the one claims to heal people. He claims that he can heal people and he really can, that he can lay hands on and pray and that people get healed. Not everybody, but that he's had, you know, things that have happened with this. So, you know, my son didn't believe it. He's like, you know, just kind of like doubting it, thinking he's just kind of like, you know, and he kind of was testing God a little bit, I guess. He said it wasn't God he was testing, but he just was testing the guy, you know, at work. And he was like, okay, God, he said in his head a prayer. He's like, you know, show me, show me that he's real. Show me that, you know, this guy is, is really able to heal people or that he's really the real deal. And he said that, uh, this guy went to plug in the mixer, I think is what he called it. I think it was the mixer at work. And he said that something happened where there was so much electricity that went through this, this place that it literally stopped right at my son's feet. It was this blue, it was a blue color of electrical field that went off from this mixer. The voltage was so high that it literally shot through the roof of the building like a lightning bolt. And this entire field was around this guy that it, it was like surrounded him like it lit his body up in the whole surrounding thing and it cracked through the top of the ceiling and it and it and it, it dispersed and he said this guy should have been dead and he walked away from this he didn't feel a thing didn't even know that he was surrounded by this field of electricity had no idea that it happened to him. He only saw the the lightning bolt, the electricity bolt go through the ceiling. Like it sh- he shot through, he heard it. And he was like, did you see that? And my son stood there, his mouth dropped because he was had just asked the Lord to reveal, you know, if this guy was the real deal or not. He said, like, everybody was like, he, this guy should have been electrocuted and dead, or at least at the hospital. He didn't feel anything, and he walked out of it. He walked completely away from it, completely unscathed without even a, nothing. There was nothing wrong with him. I mean, you would have thought he would have had white hair or something after that, but I mean, I'm kind of joking when I say that, but so I just wanted to share that story with you. We, we get stories in a lot um, from our family. We have it. It's almost like we have things happen, and I'm always like, oh my word, I have to share that. You know, I had to share that that's what happened to you. There was something else that happened this week, but it's it's getting to be about that time to close up for now, so I'll save it for next time. Um, I wanted to touch on the Hellhound stories with you guys, and I wanted to, you know, get into Donald's story and talk about this this premonition thing. I want to do some more research into it and see. I mean, there's so much phenomenal with it, but I, I want to kind of, you know, do a little bit more research into it because I've just, I've always had it. And it's just kind of a natural thing for me. So I never really did much research on it, but I'm going to, you know, do some on that and, um, you know, hope you guys have a great rest of your week. I'm, like I said, I'm a little loopy here. I'm just hoping my allergies get better 
If any of you are praying people, please pray for me for this cardboard allergy. I'm really not sure what to do about this. Um, it's really, boy, some of the allergies I have are just like, they're allergies you just shouldn't have because it's like exposure that you have every day. It's almost like being allergic to air or to water, you know, it's, it's like there's things you can't escape. So what do you do when you can't escape them? You know, and pills don't work. Shots don't work. You know, it can't live on EpiPens. So I don't know, but, um, stuff going on here. So you guys have a great week. And God bless you all. Stay safe. And prayers to everybody. If anybody needs prayer, please let me know. And if anybody has any stories, I am always, you know, willing to hear them. Just message me at inthedark2021 at gmail.com. You guys have a great rest of your week. Talk to you soon. God bless.